All right, here we go. Hello. Hi, I have a question. Is this our first episode post me moving? It is. Wow, okay. I feel so free. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to explain that? I can do whatever I want. Basically, hi, everybody. I moved. I'm still in New York City, but I moved into my own apartment. So now Jay and I are both coming to you remotely from our one bedroom apartments. Yeah. (laughs) Instead of what was happening before where I had to work around my roommates or had to like fix my phrasing because people were listening in. (laughs) But now I can be candid and loud and everything. And you can get two cats like me. You know, that is something I could do. <laughs> I still won't, but I could. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I have been seriously considering getting a very small dog, but I want to really settle into this apartment before I think about adding another soul into it. That's fair. And right um, now I'm still not even unpacked, so I don't even know how much space I have. <laughs> that's true. But anyway, I'm excited to continue this whole quarantine episode sort of kind of season with you without roommates (laughs) yeah and if you recall from last week this is our 100th episode wow congratulations congratulations to you we're 21 episodes away from having more episodes than glee how do you know that offhand (laughs) (laughs) i was just watching a video yesterday or the day before i don't know the days blur together of oh what's her face Jenna Askushkush, mm-hmm. her and uh, uh, Kyle, what's his name, Artie? Oh, Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale. The two of them were being quizzed on like Glee stuff. And it was like, how many episodes are there in Glee? And Kevin was like, uh, 120. And I want to say Tina, Jenna, was like, actually, it's 121. And they were like, yeah, that's correct. And he was like, how do you know that? And she was like, I just I just rem- remember. <laughs> she remembers each one of them. But Kyle says that he only remembers up to episode 100 because he is the only cast member that was in 100 straight episodes. Really? And then after that 100th episode, it's he started like teetering off. Wait, not even Leah? Yeah. Which is crazy to me. Which, like, actually makes sense because I feel like there was a lot of stuff in that Corey, around when Corey died, where Leah wasn't in a lot of the episodes. Oh, that's Um, true. And when they, I feel like there were also a lot of episodes when they just never showed New York after she moved there. Yeah. Which is also probably what did Kevin in. But Kevin was, if you remember correctly... Kevin or Artie and Tina were juniors, so they had an extra year of being at the school. Oh. And as you and as you may recall, Tina never had a plot line. So right. I think that it's just that Artie had an extra season on top of everybody else. Even Jenna in the interview was like, I'm fully not in the last season. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I show up in the last episode for that song, and that's about it. And it sounds like it was not her choice. They spilled so much tea. Is this in all the videos you sent me that I didn't watch? Yeah, there's even one with Chris Colfer where they are asking him something. And he's like, was this in one of the things that I blocked out? And they were like, no. And so I'm like, whoa, why does everybody know exactly what he blocked out of memory? Like, what was it? Probably Leah harassing him. I think it's very telling 
that not a single cast member from Glee, except for Leah Michelle, has done another Ryan Murphy project. What about That's Darren actually like Matthew Morrison was just on American Horror Story and Darren Criss did American Crime Story and now Hollywood. So I guess that is a little bit of a lie. But for a long time there, he never worked with any of them again. That's true. And Leah was only on Scream Queens, which... Is getting some a season may, three! Like, some may say was not a success. Oh, um, but well, I'm going to say it was, it was maybe the least successful of his show so far. I would say The New right? Normal is the least successful. Oh my god, that's so right. That show is so good. Oh wow. Okay, so if you're listening to this and you've never heard of The New Normal, I'm sure it's on Hulu. <laughs> it's great. It has Andrew Reynolds and uh, Nene Leakes and... Ellen Burstyn. Uh, oh my god, she's so good in it too. Uh, great show. Anyway, apparently we have a lot to talk about today. Yes. That's not Glee related. We do. I have nine things on my list and you have three. Oh my god, okay. I'll just run down my list. Number one, Anderson Cooper had a child. <laughs> yes, daddy! Exactly. Did you see that all of his kids' clothing is from is hand-me-downs from Andy, Andy Cohen's kid? No, that's so cute. I mean, Anderson Cooper can't afford baby clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think maybe, maybe, and maybe, sorry, their names are so similar. Andy Cohen, I'm assuming that maybe they're like expensive baby clothes. Well, they're not like Target, they're probably not like Target onesies. So I'm like, oh, maybe Anderson Cooper was like, yeah, I'll take your clothes. <laughs> but he was like, my kid wears almost exclusively hand-me-downs from Andy, from, from Andy Cohen. Not that I like Andy Cohen, but it's very cute. It, that is very cute. A lot of these things on my list we don't have to talk about. We can just, like, say them. Next thing is that Strange, A Strange Loop won the Pulitzer Prize for drama. You know, I saw that, and a lot of people were really excited about it, but I don't know anything about it. I remember yeah. it happening. Right. But that's it. So it's about a gay black man, and it's written by a gay black man, which is, it's the first musical written by a black person to win the Pulitzer Prize. I thought you were going to say the first musical written by a black person. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> can you imagine? Wait, can, can you name a musical that was written by a black person? Exclusively by a black person? Yeah. Yeah, the Temptations musical. Uh, oh yeah, good one. Gotcha. And Tina, the Tina Turner musical. So two bio musicals. Yeah. About famously black icons. Yeah. Interesting. If you're listening to this right now and you have another one, let us know. I'm sure there are others. Oh, Shuffle there Along. There have to be. Oh, Shuffle. Well, wasn't that a review from like the 20s? It was based on a musical that was written by black people to oh, black so the, the new so the newest version of it is yeah. what we're counting. No, no, no. So the original was written all by black people. Mm-hmm. And then... The new version was updated by a Black book writer. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I'm going to count that as like, I'm going to say that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. Only because The Temptations and Tina are kind of like cop-outs. Because I hope that all the people working on that are Black no matter what. They aren't. Um, oh, no. But Shuffle Along, that's a, yeah. Is Tina Turner still alive? She is. I did not know that. I literally just threw my water bottle out of surprise. 
I thought she's dead. Wow. Is she still no. making music? I think so. What? This is news. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Okay, I'm going to deadoralifeinfo.com. I know that she's alive. She's currently 80 years old. Yeah, her status is alive. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congrats to Tina Turner for being alive. Yeah, congratulations to her. She she did it. I think I vaguely remember her, like, singing at the bow of one of the musical, like, curtain calls. I think so, yeah. Wow. Stars. They're still alive. (laughs) (laughs) She, yeah, she lives in Switzerland. Not where I would have placed her. Well, she said America can't appreciate me, so I'm leaving. Okay, next. This is our first ever... No, it's not. This is an update on a previous story that we discussed. Oh. Which is the Binet controversy. Oh, okay, yes. With the... Let me just recap for everybody. This is the pride flag situation, correct? Correct. Or the bisexual pride flag where yeah. uh, the binet was like it's ours now everyone knows us money and you can't use it anymore and then everybody was like what <laughs> exactly well okay, so what happened what happened this week the leader of binet has stepped down oh why or she will step down next year on january 21st <laughs> okay I guess it has the same know, term as a president. I didn't know that Binet did so much work that that she can't, or whoever it is, can't just, like, immediately step down. Yeah. So why are they stepping down? Is it just, like, because of the controversy? It doesn't say, actually. So next up, we've got Sid Sanders. Are you familiar? Never heard those words before. <laughs> Together, at least. So he's in eight... He's an 18-year-old trans guy who is the first ever out trans valedictorian of a school. Whoa! Of a high school. And he's going to Harvard. Whoa! Okay. One, how how do we know that? It's all over the news. Oh, okay. I was like, how do we know that there's never been another trans valedictorian? Well, another out trans valedictorian right i'm sure there have been a lot of valedictorians who later came out as trans but right wow okay isn't that so nice it's just like a sweet little story congratulations sid sanders one on having a great name and two i'm so sorry that i guess your graduation is potentially fucked up because of covid19 yeah so i guess he'll give his little speech via zoom probably Oh my God! If we get our hands on that speech, we'll <laughs> we'll, we will pause. air it. We'll air it as its own episode. <laughs> Invite us to your graduation, Maine High School. Oh my gosh, I would love that. What's high school called? Belfast Area High School. Please invite us to your graduation. Oh my gosh, do we have any? If you're listening to this and you go to that high school and you know exactly what we're talking about and you don't reach out to us, I'm gonna be mad. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure we have listeners in Maine. We have listeners in <laughs> African countries. Of course we have listeners in Maine. <laughs> I literally was just going to say that. Good job, Sid. Next. Here, I'll do one. Okay. Or here, I'll do 1.5. One is, I just got an alert on my phone that Dead to Me comes back tomorrow, which means today. 
So I, you know what I'll be doing the rest of today. <laughs> I'll be catching up on Dead to Me so I can watch the new one. Okay, so speaking of Netflix, because I was just talking about Dead to Me on Netflix, which comes right. out today. So somebody on Twitter tweeted a meme, and it's the meme of Patrick putting a pumpkin into SpongeBob's mouth. Oh, yes, I saw this. Okay, great. So Patrick has been labeled as Netflix. The pumpkin has been labeled as an unnecessary gay character. And then SpongeBob, who's laying on the ground with a funnel in his mouth, waiting to take this giant pumpkin into his mouth, um, is labeled as... (laughs) It's labeled as any new series and people on Twitter started to get very vocal on whether they agreed with it or disagreed with it. It's saying generally that there are too many gay characters on Netflix and Netflix is like forcing gay characters on us. Well, Netflix responded. Oh, I didn't know that. And said, sorry, you have yet to realize that every gay person is necessary. Oh, I was like, damn, Netflix, that's how you do it. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you, Netflix. One of the responses that I saw that I also liked said, personally, I dislike all the unnecessarily, the unnecessary straight and cis people. Yeah, me too. So I guess we, as usual, stand Netflix. <laughs> we do. Netflix, give us a show. I will say Netflix has been like pumping out some great gay stuff recently. And maybe that's what the person that created the meme is looking at. But you know what? 90% of that is all coming from Ryan Murphy. So that's true. <laughs> so if you're going to be mad at anyone, be mad at him, like the rest of the world and not Netflix, even though being mad is homophobic. <laughs> that's the one that I'll do for right now. So my next one is a PSA. Oh. So have you heard of the bar Henrietta Hudson? No. It is ringing a bell, but I don't know what bell it's ringing. Probably walked past it. It's in the West Village. It's on Hudson, obviously. Okay. So anyway, it's the longest operating bar for queer women in the country, Mm -hmm. which is very exciting. But they're asking for our help. Oh? Because the government has refused to give them a small business loan, or I guess denied them a small business loan. And so they need help to stay open. So they're taking donations. There's a GoFundMe. And then on PayPal and Venmo, it's just Henrietta-Hudson. I donated. Oh, great. Any of our listeners who have some disposable income right now, first become a Patreon to us and then give some money to Henrietta Hudson. Yeah, I, I will post a link in our story right now, meaning Friday, that you can go to and donate. Help fund the place where a bartender once hit on me. <laughs> She gave me a free drink. I remember that story because you were like, she was being nice. And then everybody was like, no, she was fully hitting on you. Yeah. (laughs) And that's why I'm single. So next, (laughs) Neil Gaiman. Are you familiar? Very. So I guess in like the 90s, he wrote a book called The Sandman. Yes. Are you familiar with it? Yes, I have not read it, but it it has been on my like mental list to read because I do like him as a writer. The Sandman is being turned into, you guessed it, a Netflix show. Oh my God. It, I guess, has a bunch of different story arcs. And one of them is a story arc about a woman named Wanda, who is a trans woman. 
And, oh, it was written in 1993. This says, Wanda was a rare example of a trans person treated with respect and dignity, especially so in 1993. Gaiman was conscious of getting her right, too, explaining that he based her personality and behavior on his real-life trans friends. So the news is that he gave an interview, and he said, My biggest request to the Sandman showrunner for when we get to the season with Game of You, which is the Wanda storyline, in it is that we have trans men and trans women in the writer's room, not as consultants, but as writers. That's awesome. So I think that's really neat. Good for you, Neil. Should we start reading it? I don't know. Oh, I don't. It also maybe looks like it's not a book. Oh, it's a comic series. Yeah. The main character of Sandman is Dream. Oh, God. Huh. Also known as Morpheus and other names, who is one of the seven endless, the other endless are Destiny, Death, Desire, Despair, Delirium, formerly known as Delight, oh. and Destruction, also known as The Prodigal. I don't want to read this. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll wait for the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pass. Did you hear about Neil Gaiman's divorce? No, I didn't even know Neil was married. He was married to Amanda Palmer. Do you know who she is? No. But I do love Arnold Palmer's. So do I. She's a songwriter and performer. They've been together since like 2008 or 2009. And this week, Amanda Palmer announced that they were getting divorced on her Patreon page. No fucking way. (laughs) That's, That's a move. I love a person who is like, I have such... Like, the information that I have to share is so important that only my Patreon subscribers (laughs) will get to learn about my divorce. (laughs) (laughs) I guess your money is better spent on our Patreon page. Ain't that the truth? Have you heard about Zachary Smith? No. These are all names that I've never heard before. (laughs) I know. I really dug deep this week. So this story (laughs) comes to us from my mom. Okay. And so Zachary Smith, he's a TikTok star and influencer. So he wrote an article for Huffington Post. And the headline is, I'm bisexual. I used coming out as an April Fool's joke and I want to apologize. It's all about how on April 1st, he posted that he was bisexual. And then at the end of the day, he was like, just kidding, gotcha. And he did that because he put it out there and then he got scared and like wanted to take it back. Oh. But he actually is bisexual. Wow, what a twist. I know, right? That's like a whole movie right there. That it would be a really good movie. Oh. Hmm. How do I want to word this? It's surprising to me that people are put still put into these positions where they are so nervous to come out. Like I I would never condemn anybody for their for not coming out. I would never like say that it's a bad thing not coming out. Like, everybody has a time when they're ready, and I fully understand that. But it, it's so crazy to me that, that someone would do something like that because they felt so afraid or whatever it was to, like, that extreme of a level. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Especially, like, with the context of somebody who writes for Huffington Post. No, he doesn't write for Huffington Post. This is just, like, a, a guest post. Oh, oh, Okay. No, he's a TikTok star, not a writer. Gotcha. But even still, like someone who's that socially aware on social media and stuff like that, like, and has a big enough following to be a TikTok star and an influencer, like, it's still surprising to me that, like, somebody would feel that 
pressured to not. Yeah. Not full. And like, I'm just saying this so that I don't get like yelled at later by people, but like having no knowledge of his family background or like who this person even is. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing that I think is interesting is that apparently let me see, he's, I think he's like a makeup guy. This gets twistier and twistier. What was their name? Zachary Smith. I'm looking at him on oh, TikTok I, right now. I was like, I can't Google that. <laughs> oh, he's not a makeup guy. He's just wearing makeup in this picture from the article. Oh, I see what you mean. Yes, makeup in the picture. I'm there. I'm there. Okay, first of all, Zachary can maybe get it. Yeah, he is cute. Okay, so last thing before we talk about Kevin Spacey. Um, is Cara Delevingne and Ashley Benson. What do they do now? They broke up. What? I I can't believe I'm getting your live reaction to this. Are, are you kidding me? No. They literally were moving a sex swing into their apartment together. I know. What? What happened? No, no one knows. But they're Where's quarantining separately. All of this. I don't, she's probably involved in some way. I like I would be shocked if she wasn't. <laughs> that is crazy to me. Maybe they started quarantining together and they were like, yo, this is not going to work. Yeah, that's that's honestly what I think because they were quarantining together at the beginning. They were quarantining with Margaret Qualley and Tommy Dorfman. Oh my Dorfin. god. We love them. Um, How were we not invited to that? I know. And then they like stopped quarantining together a little bit ago and they didn't say anything about it. And then they broke up just this week, a couple days ago. What? Okay. First of all, I don't even have, I don't even have a first of all. That's so crazy. I know it's devastating. So good for each other. I know. I fully was like expecting you to be like, they got engaged for like real. I'm going to stick with, they quarantined together and they could not live together. Yeah. I shouldn't say live together, but they couldn't only ever see each other. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a very is is a very valid thing right now, I guess. Yeah. Or it's like if you're stuck in a house and it's only you and your partner for 60 days. <laughs> yeah, it really is teaching people things, I think. Yeah, like a big relationship test. Wow. That's upsetting news. I know. I was really upset about it yesterday. I didn't realize that I cared about their relationship until now. I mean, my hope is that Kara will get back together with St. Vincent. And then Ashley will get together with Kristen. Well, Kristen loves her girlfriend a lot. Oh, I, I forgot that she's with somebody. Yeah. In my mind, Kristen Stewart is just like still freshly broken up from Robert Pattinson. <laughs> she's still really hung up over that. <laughs> Okay, so I guess we're going to end the end this episode before we get into the movie that we watched, talking about the two people that we have ongoing series about. Okay. Being Kevin Spacey and Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about Ellen. Okay, what did she do? This is episode two of Ellen Watch. Her ex-bodyguard spoke up. Oh. And said... Let me find the direct quote. Ellen is the one person that I've been assigned to, dash, and I've been assigned to quite a few celebrities that has never taken the time to say hi to me. 
he goes on to describe her as distant. He claimed that she was so, quote, cold. It was, quote, actually kind of demeaning. Oh, my God. Ellen's wife, Portia de Rossi, on the other hand, was lovely. But she was, quote, very pleasant and carried on a conversation while Ellen pretty much gave me a side glance out of her eye and never said hello, thank you, or anything. And he has worked directly as a bodyguard with Ellen, her mother, and Portia. Oh, wow. And has never said anything to him. Oh, my God. Um, he explains that he understands why Ellen has been so stressed right now. He worked for her around the time that she was hosting the Oscars. And so he was like, I understand that she had like a lot of stress and a lot of big jobs and everything like that going on, but that there was no excuse. He says that he feels that there was quote, no excuse for the way that she made him feel. And that it has quote, bugged, bugged me for years. I saw this person come across as being very enlightened and positive and awesome. And everybody loves her and is in awe of her. And that's really not the case when you meet her in person. Oh my God. Uh, he said that interacting with her made him, quote, absolutely see that she does not care about anybody else as long as she's getting what she wants. You know what? That and all that, tracks. quote, people are starting to see her true self recently. And that really leads to the support of what my initial thoughts have been of her over the last six years. Whoa. Yeah. And the comments are crazy. So wait, he's a former bodyguard? Yes. Okay. Can you imagine if he was her current yeah. bodyguard? He had been working with the with her. Okay, so he has not worked for her for six years. Oh, got it. Which was around the time when she was doing like American Idol and the Oscars and all of that stuff, which I will say was probably her most recent peak. So I guess at the best time of her life, he, he was like, she, uh, she's the worst. Anyway, so that's the update on Ellen Watch 2020. God, she's just the worst. She is. And I, you've said it a million times, and I will just reiterate it now. We are the most cutting edge podcast <laughs> out there because we came to you in season one being like, Ellen's awful. And now here we are in 2020, basically doing season five for you right now, <laughs> saying the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, people just need to start listening to us. Okay, so I guess now let's get to the big story. Yes. I'm just going to recap for a second. Yeah, explain what it is. So our connection with Kevin Spacey, <laughs> I want to say around season, or maybe just after season one, we started doing little bits at the end of the episode to be like, has Kevin Spacey come out this week? The answer was always no. And it turned into a bit that we were doing for a while. And then everything Me Too happened with Kevin Spacey and we put out a statement saying that we will not be continuing with that and that we will not be talking about Kevin Spacey anymore, blah, blah, blah. And then he did that creepy ass video where he was like cooking, being like, I'll be back. And we did talk about that. And we've done, a, I would say, a pretty good job of not talking about Kevin Spacey outside of those parameters. Yes. Except for we also did talk to, about him a little bit in our episode called LGP. Two, we are breaking our Kevin Spacey silence because something has happened with Kevin Spacey that is crazy. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have not actually watched the video. I've only read the quotes from the video. Same. So go ahead and explain what happened. Yes. So, God. Basically, Kevin Spacey made, or not made a video, he addressed a conference 
of people called Bits and Pretzels. <laughs> Jesus. That was streamed virtually from his home. It's a 10-minute speech, which is too long for me. I couldn't get through it. But he said, I usually don't like to tell people I can relate to their situation. But in this instance, I can relate to what it feels like to have your world suddenly stop. I don't think it will come as a surprise for anyone that my world completely changed in the fall of 2017. My job, my relationships, and my standing in my own industry were gone in just a couple, in just a matter of hours. And so while we may have found ourselves in similar situations, albeit for very different reasons, I still feel that some of the emotional struggles are very much the same. And so I do have, em- I do have empathy for what it feels like to suddenly be told that you can't go back to work or that you might lose your job. And it's a situation you have absolutely no control over. I'm starting to doubt his ability to function as a human, <laughs> which I, I know it sounds funny, but I start, I think I genuinely mean that. <laughs> I don't understand how you can look at the ramifications of those two things and be like, oh yeah, that's the same. Yeah. And it's just so, it's so unself-aware to be like, and I had no control over the situation. This is someone who truly to his core does not see that he did literally anything wrong. Yes. This is someone who like looks at the situation and is like, things got out of hand and I had no control over it and I got screwed over even though nothing's wrong. Like that's what he thinks happened. Yeah. And you know, I totally, I hate to say this, but like respect someone really trying to come back. (laughs) But I don't, I think that, I don't know, I have so many thoughts about this. We've talked about this before, about how the best case, what somebody should do in the, if they are accused of something during the Me Too movement was to say, oh my gosh, I'm going to take a step back because I fucked up and either A, didn't realize I fucked up or B, I got caught and I'm now apologizing and I'm going to do everything possible to go like to make all of this happen for everybody else. And some people have done those things and some people have not. And I, I I don't understand how two years later, maybe it's almost three that you can sit here doing nothing for this whole time and be like, you know what? Still not my fault. Yeah. And just to have no remorse and like no social awareness to not compare a global pandemic to you molesting somebody else. The thing that makes me the most mad, I think, is him being like, me losing my job is the same as everybody else losing their job right now. Yeah, definitely. Only only because it's considered unexpected. And that is just a huge slap in the face. Yeah. Like, like I lost my job, my my like day job, but that's not the same as me being like put on trial for molesting somebody. Yeah, exactly. His job loss was because of actions and my job loss was because of circumstance. Like I did nothing to lose my job. Right. And my job is still there when this is all over. Like I'm I'm circumstantially unemployed. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. And people like people being furloughed, people being laid off is a tragedy beyond their control that is happening because of a situation that was created by forces they truly have no control over. Yeah, it's all external. Yeah, and for him, 
all he had to do was not molest anyone. Yeah. And he would still be working. Absolutely. Like he he had full control over this and nobody else like I it uh I just like don't even know what to say to him. Yeah. It is a shame because I know that I'll get canceled for saying this and I'm sorry. But like yesterday I watched Blue Jasmine and I was like, fuck, it's so upsetting that I can't, that I'm not allowed to like this movie because I do. Yeah. I know um, what you mean. But it is a Woody Allen film. But I still like had it on in the background. It's not a movie that I like sat down and paid attention to. I mainly had it on in the background so that I could unpack and like not feel the need to sit down and watch it, watch it. And Kate Blanchard is just so good and I love Streetcar Named Desire. So I was like, uh and and it is a shame that I will never be able to do that with Kevin Spacey. Like there will never come a time where I'm like, you know, I know that he did that, but I really love American Beauty or something like that. Yeah. There will never be that with him because he will always be like this. Yeah. I mean, I feel that way about Woody Allen that I, there yeah. will never come a time it's, where I'll be like, I mean, I, in Blue Jasmine, I was able to separate out like Cate Blanchett's performance from yeah that movie for sure because there were also there are things wrong with that movie as well yes for Woody Allen and for Kevin Spacey for me it's like I just can't watch something they did because it's impossible for me to turn off the part of my brain that is like well remember what this man did yeah I feel like something interesting has happened like I am so curious as to what the textbooks will say about this era like I feel like we've gone through so many things as a world that have just been totally life-changing that I'm curious how future generations, if there are future generations, will like look back at this time, like just looking at the Me Too movement and COVID-19 and like all of these huge things that are kind of like out of everybody's control necessarily and how we reacted to them. Yeah. And like, what could it possibly even feel like to be Anthony Rapp right now? I know. Or any of the other boys he assaulted yeah it's gross it's just so gross yeah and especially because there's one part where he says while we may have found ourselves in similar situations for very different reasons i still feel that some of the emotional struggles are very much the same which is just not true and he also talks about how like his relationships and his socials his social life is gone and how that is the same as covid19 patients as well which is not true because it's all there. It's just not in person. Yeah. Like just because I know somebody who is, who tested positive does not mean that I am no longer their friend. If anything, I would be paying more attention to them. Like if all of a sudden you, God forbid, tested positive, I would be like FaceTiming you every day. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, well, screw Jay. Never talking to them again. Kevin Spacey is. He just doesn't know. I bet he voted for Trump. (laughs) Got him. (laughs) Okay. So this movie. Yes. The half of it. So I guess here's my first question. Out of five stars, how many stars would you give it? Four. Really? What about you? No stars. I hate it. (laughs) Really? You hated it? Yeah. Okay. So let's start with why you didn't like it. I just thought it was bad. I thought it was so sad. And so I I think I went into it expecting something a little more along the vibe to all the boys I loved. And I'm not saying that just because it has two Asian leads. I'm, I'm saying that because it was just like a teen romance comedy on Netflix. Yeah. And so that's the kind of style I was looking for. And it just actively wasn't that. And so I think that I went into it kind of in the wrong mood. 
And then it took a turn when it started taking more of a religious turn. I was kind of like, you know, maybe this isn't for me. (laughs) And I found it incredibly distracting that the girl that they're all interested in was is fully like 40 years old. Yeah, that for that for me was a little bit of like, okay, can we not find someone who looks like a teenager? Yeah, she's not. I looked up her age. She's still older than a teenager by a lot, but she's not 40. I found the main character just like so unlikable. Really? Yeah, I th- I found her so unlikable. She I think it's because from jump she's just like so down and negative and then only when she like is introduced to this girl does she start like getting happy about some things but then even then it's still kind of like all based in this like harsh negativity vibe that she has and I I don't know I didn't like that and then I also never saw the character of the guy that can't really use his words as someone who was dumb what do you mean I like in in All the other incarnations of Cyrano, it always just came across as somebody who either wasn't very romantic or was like, sometimes it's like a kid who's too popular or a kid that's never had to like talk to to a girl before or like something like that. It's never somebody who in this movie, I was like, oh, this kid's like dumb. Like he can't do it. Oh, I didn't think he was dumb at all. Oh, I was under the impression that he like could not form a sentence. Like when she read his letter, like the things that he had written, I was like, oh, this is like actively bad. Like this guy cannot do it. And she, and so it was like this guy that she thought was dumb and she was like frustrated and mean. And then I was like, and then the religion. And I was like, this movie is, I don't like it. Why didn't you like the religious part? Um, I think because I didn't think it was necessary. I think that gay, like LGBT movies that include religion should either be completely about religion or have I don't know like some reason for it being there but like you could have taken that whole like 20 minutes about religion out of it and it would have been essentially the same movie I also like I we've talked about religion before and have talked about how we're not necessarily the most religious people in the world but that we acknowledge what religion is to other people and I think that the way the religion was presented in this was kind of like expecting the viewer to also believe these things, if that makes sense. To also believe that it's wrong to be gay? No, no, no. no. To, to, uh, like the way that they were speaking about religion was like expecting the viewer to also be a religious person. Does that make sense? There was like when I forget her name. What was the name of the girl who they're trying to get? Aster. So when there, I feel like Aster has a lot of like monologues about like what God means to her and how she likes to live in the name of God and like all of that stuff, which is very fine and valid. And if that is what you believe, then like, so be it, like, go for it. I'm not going to tell you otherwise. But I was like, I feel like the, the vibe of the movie was also to make me believe these things. And it just like totally turned me off. That's so interesting because I didn't feel that way at all. Interesting. I would have expected you to have that reaction more than me. I thought it was actually kind of like anti-religion. Interesting. Okay, yeah. So tell me tell me all your thoughts about it. I thought all of Esther's monologues were sort of, to me, what they were about was like, you can find spirituality in anything and it doesn't have to be organized religion. And then at the end, the fact that like he says it's a sin and then there's all the there's all the like anti-gay stuff from the church to me was also like 
was showing that because he grew and accepted her, you can be religious and still be like down with the gays. But a lot of people aren't, which to me seems like, I don't know, it seems like what Alice Wu was trying to say was like, like the point of view to me felt like it was organized religion is not the best way to express spirituality. Okay. And then I definitely see what you mean about the main character, Ellie, Ellie being negative, but I thought it was more just like, her trying to keep her head down and not create any like sort of reason for anyone to bully her because she already was being so like harshly bullied. Maybe that's a nice way of putting how I felt about it. It was very like harsh. Cause like, I do, I, I do believe what you just said about why she is the way that she is because they, she does have like a really shitty life. And usually that's not the, the kind of story that this story tells. Right. It's usually somebody that's just like very overlooked or is it the prettiest or like anything like that. It's never usually this deeply rooted, which I don't think I was expecting. And I don't know. If I Yeah, I, I don't think I like. But I think that that's I think you're really right with that. And then the guy, I didn't think he was like a genius. I didn't think he was smart, but I didn't think he was dumb. I thought he was just bad at expressing himself or like bad at expressing himself in a romantic way because when he is like talking to ellie he's totally coherent and like articulate mm-hmm. but then whenever it, it involves aster he just sort of like crumbles so i think he's i thought he was just like a tongue-tied boy have you ever seen the movie whatever it takes no okay so whatever it takes was a movie i used to masturbate to as a kid okay <laughs> Great, get that um, out of the way. But it's essentially, it's a modern day remake of Cyrano. And the guy who, I don't know what to call him, the guy who's not Cyrano. So in this case, like the the character who can't talk to Astrid is played by none other than James Franco. And there are some other like early 2000s stars in it, but no, nobody of note like today. Okay, so in Booksmart, which I'm sure we've all seen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the relationship between Beanie Feldstein's character and the other like student body president where through the whole movie she's like he's so awful i hate him he's not a human blah 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 and then as soon as he starts to show interest in her she's like oh my god i've actually been in love with him this entire time and now like i'm allowed to be that's kind of what i was expecting in in the half of it like something where it's like oh he's he's just this guy he's like unable to do these things because he's you know a dumb jock whatever it is and then it's like oh my god like maybe he's like also hot and like i'm into him and then, and then, yeah, that, that that wasn't how it was portrayed, which is fine. Yeah, that's interesting. As you can tell, a lot of the reasons that I didn't like it was just because it was not what I expected it to be. Yeah, that's what and I was even, say. even in the trailer, like the trailer still markets it as like a fun Friday night Netflix movie. And it's that just, is true. it's not. Yeah, and it's not that. It's more of like a rainy Sunday night <laughs> Netflix movie by yourself. It was definitely a lot sadder than I expected it to be. Yeah. I, I honestly couldn't even tell you what happened in the end. I remember the kiss. And that's about it. Which kiss? Between her and Astrid. Oh, yeah. And I remember it happening and being like, oh, we got there. I think what also kind of upset me about the fact that she was so, like, outwardly, like, angry as a character is that she only was able to, like, feel okay about herself after her and Astrid, like, started talking. And, like, yes, sometimes all it really does take is somebody else 
on your side. But I was like, I wish she also could have become her own person aside from Astrid. Well, she did end up going to college far away. Yeah, that's true. Her and Astrid didn't get married. Yeah. I thought of that as more of like her finally having someone accept her. Mm, I can see that. Well, if anybody ever watches Whatever It Takes starring James Franco, there's a great scene where he's in a thong. And also there's a scene where they teach you how to put a condom on a penis. So it's educational and hot. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, James Franco? Yeah. This whole time I thought you were saying James Marsden. Oh my God, did I say James Marsden? No, you probably didn't. I probably just heard it because that's what I wanted to hear. I mean, they're all just white guys. Yeah. So next week, Jay, what are we watching? We're watching Never Have I Ever. I haven't seen any of it. I'm really excited. This is Mindy Kaling's new show about a teenage girl living life. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And being a teenager. But she has a friend, spoiler alert, who is queer. So we'll watch. And one of the characters is played by the girlfriend from that movie. Awesome. She's played by that actress who is the love interest for the closeted lesbian in Blockers. Yes, I know who you mean, but I can't remember her And name. also was the best friend on The Real O'Neills, who was also, she was also gay in that. <laughs> what is her name? I feel like it's Alice something. I think Alice is her character name in The Real O'Neills. Allison is her name in The Real O'Neills, and her name is Ramona Young. Yes, Ramona Young. Yes. I'm excited. Yeah, this will be fun. Yeah, maybe I'll even start it right now. Whoa. (laughs) Slow down. (laughs) All right, so I guess we will talk next week for another quarantine episode of One More Thing. Yeah, and we'll see you then. Yeah, bye. Say that again. Bye. Say it again, you keep blanking out. Bye. Bye.